Welcome to the Greener Way podcast, a show about people, planet, and purpose, and how investors and corporate leaders push forward in a complex world. The responsible investment industry has $1.3 trillion in assets under management as of 2022, a gigantic number representing around a third of total managed assets in Australia. That figure comes from the Responsible Investment Association Australasia's annual benchmark report. Here to talk about the state of the responsible investment sector and where future growth comes from is CEO Simon O'Connor. Simon, thanks for joining us to go through the state of the responsible investment market. Thank you so much for having me, Rachel. Absolute pleasure as always. Um, it's a diverse set of information this year. What stands out to you from the data? I think it's a really interesting and nuanced um, report this year because it shows the time that we all kind of are aware that we're going through right now, which is this major shift and professionalization and and maturing of this sector, whereby what the report says really clearly to me is you can no longer just say you're a responsible investor and assume mm. that that is enough in today's market. And so in the last year, two years, we've been seeing this formalization of standards, this full articulation of what it takes to be a responsible investor. And that is fundamentally redefining our sector and, and formalizing that in, a, in, the, in the sense of what a professional industry does. And so as a result, you know, we've seen this, this pullback, actually a dropping of mm. total assets that we're reporting here as responsible investment assets. And I think that is a reflection that the bar has lifted mm. you know, standing still today is to go backwards. Mm. Um, and I think this is a really positive sign of a maturing sector. Mm. Um, so that's kind of, you know, the big takeout of what we see from the data that we're looking at in this year's report. It's really interesting. So um, to clarify for our readers, uh, there was a drop of about $249 billion from the 2021 assets under management to the 2022 assets under management. To what do you attribute this, Simon? Um, is it you know, there's and there's this bifurcation as well that we need to talk about because there was, as you say, there's a pullback of 250 billion more or less, but there's also more funds that are identifying themselves as doing responsible investment. So what do we make of this? Yeah, so there's probably two or three key factors contributing mm. to this. Um, so one, we've seen that responsible investors in calendar year 2022 had a tough year in the markets. Mm. So this was a year of the Ukraine invasion by Russia. It was a year where energy stocks surge, mining sector, energy sector were the leading contributors to growth in investment markets. And on average, responsible investment funds are mm -hmm. underweight those key sectors. And so what we see in the performance is an underperformance relative to the, to the mainstream funds of mm -hmm. responsible funds. So we see this short-term underperformance and that has led to the rest of the market growing at a faster rate than responsible investment funds. So that's one element there. I think the bigger piece here is what we're seeing in the survey results is that fund managers themselves are reporting a smaller proportion of their overall assets as being their responsible investment assets. So this, mm. there's something of a of a self-reporting, bringing back what they're claiming to be covered by their responsible investment strategies, mm -hmm. which to us is really a response to the fact that we now have in front of us more clearly articulated standards expectations and indeed greenwashing action from our regulator mm -hmm. stating what you need to do to claim you are you have an ESG fund or a responsible fund or a sustainable fund. So as a result, the industry's pulling back, mm -hmm. reassessing what they're claiming to be their responsible investment assets. And so like you said, we've got more of those fund managers 
in those leaders lists, Mm -hmm. but in fact, the assets have dropped. Um, Mm. So they're the two contributing factors that we see most at play here. Would you call that green hushing, Simon, where there are funds that are actually walking the walk, just not wanting to talk the talk? Or is this really a proper redefinition and just being a little bit more, um, a bit more rigorous? Yeah, I definitely do put this down to an example, I guess, of green hushing going on where people are kind of just self-censoring, being quite cautious Mm. as to what they're putting out there as their responsible investment assets in light Mm. of the fact that the regulator's scrutinising. And so there's there's a sense of that for sure. And I think that Mm. reflects what we know to be in the market. You know, people are... All, you know, all of our members we know very broadly are kind of really reviewing what their claims they're making, making sure they can fully substantiate them in the market. Now, we really put this down to a short-term shift because I think what will come out of this is a much mm. stronger, clearer industry where, you know, of greatest benefit is that the consumers will be able to really trust the products they're seeing in the marketplace because the industry is kind of pulling up their socks lifting the standards as we see those standards being written. And and interestingly for us, you know, there's there's a there's a temptation here to say then was a big part of the industry greenwashing? Uh, my answer to that would be kind of no. Mm. I think what's actually happening is that the standards are being written as we speak. Mm. You know, the the greenwashing info sheet from ASIC was only written uh, 14 months ago. Um, <laughs> so th- this is in play as we speak. The definitions for this industry are being written as we speak and being reviewed and refined as we speak in Europe and the UK and the SEC and the US. And so I think this is just this kind of fast paced maturation and formalization of our industry standards that are happening around us right now. I, I like to catch from Paul Keating and say this is the reconsideration the industry has to have uh, as being a, a maturing, robust sort of sector that's that's proving its chops. I think it is. I think that's yeah. absolutely right. To me, this is a really positive sign of an industry reaching maturity. We are here mm. now. Responsible mm. investment is here now. We are firmly embedded across financial services sector. We're written, being written into law, into mm. regulations, you know, and, and the, probably the top line stat that's interesting that exemplifies that is that this year's data shows that 93% of all professionally managed assets have some form of public commitment to responsible investment in place. Mm-hmm. You you really can't be an actor in this market without that sense that ESG matters, climate risk matters, we've mm-hmm. got to be considering it. So yeah, we've we've firmly arrived and now it's our time to step up to meet those newly written standards. I think so as well. Listen, before we get into um, some of the deep dive into some of the findings, um, I do think we've talked about standards and we've talked about definitions a couple of times. Um, Can I just ask you a real basic question? Because our listeners probably don't have the benchmark report right in front of them, although we will put a link in the show notes. What how does redefine responsible investment and what are the main tools that you're talking about in the benchmark? So for us, for about the last six or seven years, it's been really important that what we do with this annual report, we've been running Mm -hmm. this report for 22 years, what we don't want to do is just simply put out a number of all of those fund managers who claim to be responsible investors are then categorised as responsible investors. Mm -hmm. So we run a survey, but we also then do a full desktop review to assess whether these fund managers can actually articulate what this means in practice in terms of the policies they have in place, in terms of the processes and strategies that they're implementing across their investment approach, Mm -hmm. in terms of their disclosures to market on what they're doing, in terms of the way, in fact, they even run their stewardship programs um, and whether they're reporting on the activities of that and the outcomes of that. And so what we look for 
kind of like a management system sort of approach. We look for a comprehensive approach that can provide us assurance that that manager has a formal process that can be implemented from the policy through to the outcomes in the portfolio, um, that they actually can provide us that evidence that they're going to do responsible investment well and throughout their portfolio. And so that's why we talk about that $1.3 trillion there, that 36% of the market, they are all those that can truly substantiate what they're doing that can show the evidence of that mm-hmm. um, as opposed to just simply having a nice website on their you know webpage saying sure. we, we think this is really important. Um, so that distinction to us is critical. And then so just to break it down a little bit further as well, because I want to build on that. So you talk about things like ESG integration, negative screens, positives. Can you run through those definitions just real quickly, the, yeah. the 101 primer for those out there? Yeah. So what's really important is that the fund manager should be able to articulate what does responsible investment mean to them? Does it mm-hmm. mean they just purely manage ESG risks in their portfolio? Mm-hmm. Does it mean they have in place negative screens to avoid some of those more harmful activities? Are they in fact allocating some funds to impact investing or to sustainability themed, i.e. they're targeting positive outcomes through their portfolio? Are they undertaking engagement activities, voting their shares? So they should be able to articulate precisely what it means across these seven universal RI strategies um, Mm -hmm. that are defined across the world from ESG integration to impact investing. And so they really need to be able to articulate what that means and what their approach means. So it's not that there's one way of doing this. Mm. But a fund manager should be very clear on what way they are approaching responsible investment. Look, I, and it's always good to be clear because, again, you know, our listeners won't have the benchmark report in front of them. So I want to give them a bit of a, a handle as we go sort of further into the information here, Simon, because the other thing that always interests me about the benchmark report, and I can't believe it's been 22 years because that means I've read a majority of them and that is a lot of time. <laughs> but the other thing that really interests me um, is the difference between what fund managers are doing in terms of negative screens, positive screens, and sustainable tilts, and what consumers say they want in responsible investment. And RIA surveys both sides of that coin, which I find really interesting. There does seem to be growing alignment, but there's still big differences. And so without, you know, throwing a lot of facts at this at the at the listener, um, you know, the thing that stood out to me this year is from the negative screening. So like what fund managers don't invest in, the top exclusions are tobacco nuclear weapons, fossil fuel, adult entertainment, and human rights. But what Australians say what they want is they want to avoid animal cruelty, human rights abuses, adult entertainment, environmental harm, and animal testing. There's still some big differences there. There are. And you're right to observe that gap is shrinking, but Mm. there's still a distinct gap. And something that always stands out to me in that list is We hear so much talk about climate and fossil fuels exclusions, and Mm. yet the survey data we have of consumers show, yeah, that's important to quite a few, but actually the social issues, the human rights issues, and certainly the animal welfare issues Mm. stand out really strongly and continue to in all of our consumer research. And it's something that the investment market has not offered as many products that actually respond to that interest. So it's it's mm. it's a really important takeaway for fund managers to say, are you actually delivering the products that Australians are really looking for? And, yes. and I think there seems to be in the data this year some sense that, yeah, we're getting a bit closer to reflecting those values, um, but we're still not quite there. 
Mm. I mean, look, it's really interesting. You, again, you have a similar sort of gulf in the positive tilts as well. Um, for, you know, when for managers that are investing in positive sustainability thematics, it's climate change, social impact, waste management, that's whole circular, beautiful circular economy theme, biodiversity and green property. Climate change is number one for consumers as well. So again, hey, at least on the first one, there's alignment. Uh, but then there's healthcare, sustainable water, waste management, and then forestry. So again, there's still that similar gulf. Is this because there's a lack of companies to invest in, particularly on the Australian Australian listed markets? Is it, um, you know, are there other considerations that are coming into play here that fund managers can't solve for? What's the membership telling you, Simon? So I think what we've seen shifting in the last couple of years is that consumers increasingly are telling us they want their investment products, whether that's through superannuation or managed funds, to be avoiding the most harmful activities. They want them to be making really good financial returns, Mm. but increasingly they want them also to be targeting positive sustainability outcomes, doing something to create a better future, a better world. And to date, the investment industry has been slowly catching up to that trend and we've seen more products coming out to market. Mm -hmm. But if you still looked at the the sort of product offering now, for for example, choice offerings in super, in major super funds, there's not not many at all that really Mm. do sustainability thematic uh, fund options. So I think there's this catch up going on of the market to say, how do we offer more positively tilted sustainable funds across the across the gamut. So you're seeing more in the ETF space, you're seeing more in the managed fund space. You're not seeing that many in the super fund space. So there's a bit of a lag there. Mm. I think this is a big growing area and the data in this report shows that actually the capital flow into these sustainable funds and the impact funds, that end of the market that are really trying to create positive outcomes is growing and growing at quite a fast rate now. Mm. Although it's still the small portion overall, about 100 billion out of that 1.3 trillion is kind of sustainable and positive and impactful. Mm. Um, I think this is the big growth segment. This is really what Australians are telling us they want. So there's certainly an element as well, the ASX, the Aussie listed domestic equities market is hard to find those really Mm. positive companies. Not impossible, but harder. And -hmm. it's great that there are now fund managers out there providing options, fund options to do that. But that's Mm. sort of newer and smaller part of the market still. It's an interesting one. It's sort of, again, year over year of reading the benchmark reports that 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 deep, sustainable and impact space keeps doubling and doubling again every year. Um, it's So obviously there is quite a lot of interest in sort of hitting that good for people, good for planet, good for the pocketbook thematic. That's right. And the demands there and the flows into those funds seem to be really strong and holding up really well, which is fascinating too. And data from this and from our own measurement of flows into our certified products shows that even despite that one year underperformance we saw in 2022, flows are really strong. People are Mm. still sticking with those ethical and sustainable funds Mm. um, and it's still growing. So there's sort of that loyalty that when people choose and opt into those funds, they will stay with it and they're really passionate about it. That's good to see. Simon, this is your last benchmark report because you've announced you're stepping down as CEO. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll stop and mark that moment in all of our lives. <laughs> as you reflect on your time as head of RIA, what are some of the standouts for you and what challenges do you think are facing the next CEO? Oh, so this is a, an industry that has changed a lot in that last 10 years, you know, very much from being 
a cottage industry niche part of a broader financial services sector to what we see in this benchmark where it was really firmly and clearly a part of the whole financial services sector. So mm. that's shifted incredibly um, over that time. I think the next three years we are seeing this kind of hard wiring and encoding of all these standards into legislation. We've got a uh, this whole barrage of legislation that's going to come down the pipe towards us over the next com- couple of years, and we need to get that right. Mm. Uh, we need to get that right in the way that it actually does mean more capital is flowing towards sustainable companies, sustainable assets, helping to contribute to our net zero goals, our 2030 renewable goals, our sustainable development goals. So there's a real need over the next two to three years to make sure all those legislative settings, standard settings are actually achieving what we've set out to try to achieve here, which is to see more capital flow into a support a healthy and sustainable environment, economy and society. So um, so that's really a critical piece. And, and I think that, you know, there is this interesting challenge now, whereas this report was set up 22 years ago to measure this small portion of a big industry. We're now at a point where it's kind of, well, this is the industry. When it becomes the default, what does it mean to measure the performance against other funds? Are the other funds now the non-traditional funds? In fact, this has now become a core component of what is mainstream finance. So mm. The whole conversation almost flips on its head a little bit, which someone needs to understand what that means for our methodology going forward, but I'm sure <laughs> that will emerge as well. But um, it's a definitely a really interesting sort of inflection point for this industry's maturity mm-hmm. where we're moving from being an, an outsider knocking on the door of mainstream finance to firmly being inside mainstream finance. But I think our job is still to continue to push, continue mm-hmm. to make sure that capital is flowing to support what Australians want, what our prosperous and thriving economy needs, and to help us deliver on those big goals that we have ahead of us, the net zero by 2050, the 1.5 degree maximum warming, the 2030 goals. So that'll be really what this industry is measured against, Mm. whether we've been able to deliver on those promises. Mm. It's really interesting, Simon. I remember, I think, one of the early responsible RI conferences that you were around for when Richard Dennis from the Australia Institute spoke. Um, And I can remember the keynote because he really threw a big challenge by saying, you know, you're defining yourselves as a responsible investment industry. What are you saying to the rest of the industry? Um, And so I reflect, you know, this point you're making that, you know, now it's table stakes. You're not opening the door. It's you're there at the table. It's an interesting question to, to consider again. What are you asking, you know, when you're saying you're the, you're the responsible investment sector? Well, no one wants to be the irresponsible investment sector, right? And so yeah. those who aren't there, who aren't at the table, what does that mean of them? Because this really is called a responsible and ethical and sustainable investing now. So we really need everyone to be there at that table. But, so yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Well, Simon, thank you so much for joining us um, in your waning minutes. Uh, any any last messages you want to pass on to your successor? Oh, no. I mean, I think it's a really exciting time. And, you know, RIA has been just well before my time as well, been so done so much work to build this sector up, to bring it to what it is today. And it's really proud to, for me to have been a part of that. And I really look forward to the next person driving that. And just the, the role that RIA and our members have played in that has been huge. It's been a huge push to shift a system change effectively what we're trying to do. So um, so it will continue to play a really strong role for the next decade. I'm really excited to see where that goes. So am I. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Rachel. 
Thanks for listening to the Greener Way podcast. If you like today's show, remember to rate and review us on your podcast platform and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Any feedback? Contact us on podcast at fssustainability.com.au. I'm Rachel Allen Backus. The Greener Way podcast is a product of FS Sustainability, a show about people, the planet, and investing in our collective future. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. The Greener Way podcast gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by discussing numerous financial sustainable options and our featured guests. It is not intended as a substitute for professional, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of The Greener Way are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. FS Sustainability operates under an Australian Financial Service License and the exemption made available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect to any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the FS Sustainability website, fssustainability.com.au.